Hi, my name's Simon Hare from Active Exchange. I'm here to talk to you today and run a session for the Sports Eye Academy today on investment planning models. And I've got Warren Green with me, who's been using these recently. How are you going, Warren? Hey, Simon. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon to you, mate. Uh, good to see you. Um, Warren's been, as many of you will know, he's been around for a while. He's got a lot of experience in the industry, um, most recently been consulting in the industry for about 15 years. And prior to that was managing um, some major facilities uh, in and around Melbourne and Victoria. Uh, in his recent times, uh, Warren's been partnering with Active Exchange to use the investment planning model. Uh, again, some of you might know that it's used to look at uh, assessing investment into new builds, expansion of existing facilities, testing the viability of any changes or facility mixes. And it's often now included in um, underpinning feasibility studies and business plans and the like. Um, Warren's had a great experience in, in using these. So we've invited him along today to talk about that experience and uh, I'll shoot a few questions. You ready to go, Warren? I think so, yes. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Um, can you just, from your point of view, explain, you know, or describe what an IPM is, mate? Um, yes, Simon. Um, just as a little bit of background, I actually first met Alex Burroughs about three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And in some respects, that was a little bit of a light bulb moment because what it did was opened up the opportunities of um, utilising data in a different way than the industry's been using data. Um, and there's been many industries that use data and probably the um, sport and leisure industry has probably been a little bit slow on the uptake of that. And, and part of the reason is, I suppose, that our industry is quite fragmented in terms of the delivery model. We've got a mix of local government, private sector, um, and then we've got different delivery models in terms of how our sport and leisure services are, are provided to the marketplace. So effectively, the active exchange um, approach almost becomes a common thread in bringing data together and assists us in the storytelling the advocacy, the strategic planning and the allocation of resources and funding in terms of infrastructure development. And the just to come back to your question, Simon, the, the IPM from a planning perspective is really central to that piece because what it does is it actually um, outlines the potential for future participation and demand. And, and particularly in the core areas um, that I work in, in the aquatic and leisure space, the core areas as they relate to aquatics, including learn to swim and also the health and wellness um, component. And, and where that becomes really critical in the planning process is traditionally those areas have accounted for 60% of the revenue streams in a major facility. So it's imperative to understand what your potential demand is and hence what your revenue streams are in those areas of the business so that then you can get your business model right and you can provide a local solution for, for particular communities rather than just a um, one size fits all approach. So I see that the IPM as being really central in that, in that sort of holistic approach to planning, Simon. Yeah, great, thanks Warren. And then you've done, I mentioned you've done a few, you recall how many you've done and what kind of projects you've done them across, what kind of range of projects you've used them on? Uh, really a diverse, diverse range of projects, probably I would think over 20 or so, just, just at a guess, Simon. Um, really at a, a range of different phases of, of projects, whether it be at sort of the infancy phase, which is really in the visioning um, and, the, and sort of the development of the um, strategic framework through the strategy development. So that'd be one element. 
Um, the second component is really through your traditional feasibility um, piece. And then the third one is really at the business case stage. And the application of the IPM can vary somewhat um, at those different stages, depending upon what the sort of objectives of, of, of the client, client is and where the projects are at overall. And what kind of projects like that range in terms of, I mean, scale of facilities or the type of um, facilities within those projects? Are they varied much in, in terms of what you've used them on? Uh, from, from an infrastructure perspective, Simon, anything from, you know, projects that can be six to seven million dollars through to projects that collectively in a strategy um, format can be over a hundred million dollars worth of worth of cost. So so the application's not necessarily constrained by the scale of the project or the level of demand and need. It's really um, it's really about customizing a solution for a particular situation um, to a great degree. Yeah. Okay. Great. And so you've used them in cases where there's no facility, like you're planning a completely new facility. Um, use, use them in cases where you're looking at several different locations, like a network sort of approach. Is that right? Yeah. So, so really, um, from an infrastructure development perspective, there's probably a few different, you know, different scenarios there. One's a, a sort of a redevelopment scenario where you're looking at a pre-existing facility and basically what you're going to do to add on to that or modify that. Secondly, is sort of a, a, a Greenfields individual facility development um, that, that might be standalone. And, and the third scenario is, as you mentioned, Simon, is a um, whole of municipal or a broader, broader sort of regional um, strategic approach where you're considering multiple, multiple facilities or multiple solutions within a, within a broader catchment. Um, and, and the IPM model really can be applied to, to each of those different scenarios. Yeah. And what, how's this differ? You sort of touched on it in your earlier answer there. How's this differ from the past? And what, we, what did you do before IPMs or was there just a gap there or did you do something else? How, how's it changed? Um, yeah, let me, let me just go back one step first before, before I answer that, Simon, and talk about perhaps the, the attributes of the IPMs that are, that are really helpful, particularly from a consulting perspective. Yep. Um, you know, first and foremost, it's a really efficient process of um, identifying your demographics, your catchment, your drive time, and your competition. Um, traditionally, those elements have been done as a bit of a desktop exercise, but the ability of, of this IPM process to bring them all together and tell a story and provide an indication of demand in a very short period of time is exceptionally helpful. Um, what it does to it assists in getting quick consensus on need and demand pretty much at the upfront stage of the process. And, and that can help clients substantially in, in um, resetting, if you like, or determining the aspirations for how a, how a project might evolve. And um, um, I'll talk about some examples at the back end of that situation, but, but the ability to have an evidence-based approach um, uh, is really important from a justification perspective. Um, um, in terms of um, um, how, that, how that evolves, then it really assists the process in achieving outcomes where different facilities become famous for something. So, so it strengthens their strategic positioning rather than just what perhaps a traditional 
planning process was, which was to replicate facilities from one area to another where we have a pre-existing facility and we say, that's what we want as our, as our local solution. The IPM um, analysis means that we can be far more nuanced than that. And, and we can then really start to customise, um, even, even move the, the solutions um, in a paradigm sense to say, what are the future requirements rather than what, just what the past requirements are? So we, 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 we do need to be cautious with the IPM process while, while it's an in, invaluable tool in the toolkit, it does effectively use historical data to project forward. And what I mean by that is that we, we need to bring into the, to the evaluation process other elements. What are the trends? What's consumer behaviour? What are the implications of COVID in terms of, you know, how consumers are going to engage with, with these types of facilities, et cetera. So, so as invaluable as the IPM process is, it's important to understand the context of it. And that is it plays one very important role or one important ingredient in a, in a, in a, in a broader recipe, if you like. The, the ability to, to apply that then and project that forward is where the central um, consulting challenge um, really starts to come into play. And, and what it does do though, it, it does assist us in developing a roadmap for what the parameters are in terms of what we should be working towards. And that's really, that's really critical. And I mentioned trends, et cetera. So for example, overseas, um, um, there's a really strong focus, particularly in Europe in terms of warm water provision. And this is just one example, Simon. Um, um, in Australia, for example, we don't generally provide the same level of, of warm water as, as, as European facilities do. And, and so if we historically just use um, um, data associated with usage in Australia on warm water pools, then we're almost missing an opportunity because with multicultural communities, that's not actually where the demand's heading. Where the demand's heading is to increase our level of, of, of warm water space. So we need to be cognizant of you know, the, the, the range of factors that can inform the planning process, but the IPM unquestionably is a valuable, valuable tool in that. Now, I might have gone off track a little bit. So have I answered your have you ever answered your question? Yeah, no, no, that's that's good. And you've answered the next one as well. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Even better. Um, which is about how it sort of fits in with the use of other other information sources or how it fits into the overall um, planning process, which you've touched on. If you want to expand on that a little bit, do that. Um, you sort of touched on that it's one important ingredient with these other mixes and it gives one important perspective, but there's other aspects that you need to consider. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And how that fits in with those other aspects. Do you want to expand on that at all? Or I think you probably answered it, but I'll give you uh, to yeah, I think I think um, in terms of the other bits that that hang off that process to hit the sweet spot, if you like, in terms of providing the right advice and direction in infrastructure, um, uh, uh, things like um, um, your industry benchmarking is really critical. Um, you know, what the take up is generally in participation and what the catchments are is to have some understanding of that. As I just mentioned then, Simon, you know, understanding trends overseas, um, trends in relation to, to leisure, um, understanding what the drivers are for participation and how you can develop a facility that actually reduces barriers is a really, really important consideration. Um, you know, for, for example, you know, I visited a, a major aquatic and leisure facility um, a couple of weeks ago, which actually has about a million, over a million visits per annum. 
And, and what was really interesting, I was trying to get an understanding for participation of different spaces in the facility. What, what was really interesting was that um, um, 50% of people in the facility, give or take, were actually sitting, observing, or were spectators um, in that environment while the remaining, the balance were actually ac actively involved in some sort of, um, some sort of activity. So, so what, that, what that sort of highlights is that the provision of appropriate passive and social spaces is a, is a fundamental ingredient now of, of the facilities that we're developing. And we, we have to make sure that we're delivering those outcomes. So, so to understand those elements, as I say, the reduction of barriers and, and creating a welcoming environment, understanding international trends and stuff, is also a really critical piece of the puzzle to produce the right solution. So keeping on top of that's really important. Um, yep. A couple of years ago, I did some work with a futurist who, who outlined some of the major social and techn technological sort of macro trends and how they were gonna influence behaviors into the future and, and being on top of factors like how our facilities are gonna to respond to high density living, um, what we do with car parking provision, um, how we accommodate multicultural communities, for example, what influence technology is going to have in terms of the provision of, of um, um, services are all going to be fundamental um, in terms of solutions. And, and COVID's probably magnified some of those points to a certain degree. Technology is a really interesting one now, how we're delivering content outside of the, the four walls of facilities in terms of expanding our footprint and our reach back into communities by providing you know wellness classes educational staff etc cetera, etc cetera. Yep. so the ability of understanding what the broader function of these facilities can be is a really important one um, and capability development is a really central one to that i.e you know not only developing infrastructure but developing capability so that that capability has got the opportunity of connecting to a greater degree with community, particularly in local government facilities where the focus is on community benefits and, and community services. And, and I'm working on a, a really fascinating project at the moment that hopefully will um, reshape the way services are delivered in particularly high needs communities um, with low, lower health status whereby we're, we're, we're looking at that capability development side and trying to maximise the ability to, to reach out to communities and provide a diverse range of programs and services. Fundamentally, Simon, what that project's about is aligning the benefits with health and, health and wellbeing outcomes. Mm -hmm. So having a really strong benefits focus rather than just having a focus on visitation numbers, if you like, which has been one of the traditional metrics in the industries to say, well, you know, we generally say if, you, if you're if you over a million visits per annum, then you must be a successful facility. Yeah. We need to understand the social benefit side associated with the services that we're providing. And so the IPM component comes into play there with its sort of, you know, the, the next service offering from Active Exchange downstream, which is your um, social value analysis. And, and so I'm doing more and more work in the social value analysis space. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting space because then we start to talk the language of treasury and finance and also Department of Health and Human Services. And what I mean by that is that we start to quantify in, in an economic sense what the value is for participation in activity. 
and, and in this project that I just, just mentioned, Simon, what we're trying to do is unlock funding from, from the health services sector rather than the traditional funders of, of um, facilities, which has been sort of more in the sport and rec sector. And what we're seeing is the budgets of those two are substantially different. If we can unlock, if we can unlock funding in, in the health sector, then all of a sudden we've got a paradigm shift in terms of the opportunities of delivery. Um, and, and to me, active exchange, the IPM process and the social value process play a really critical role in trying to reposition the industry to achieve that as a, as a substantial outcome. Um, so again, I've, I've drifted off from your question in terms of the tools. You get me a little bit excited when you ask a question like that, because for me, for me the, the, the application of data starts to talk a language that um, um, governments outside of our sector are far more comfortable and familiar with. They're less interested in visitations. They're more interested in community benefit from a planning perspective. And you, you, you almost covered off on another session, which is the social value model. That's good, Warren. <laughs> so we, we'll, we'll dive back into that one on another day, on another day I think. Um, but that's great. Yeah, and great to make that link between those. Um, so thanks for that. Um, Sorry, Tom, just a couple of other tools there. You mentioned, you know, what, 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 what sort of elements do I use in concert with the, with the IPM process? I mean, consultation is really critical and understanding local context. I think, you know, Australia, no doubt, has got some of the best operators in the world. We've actually got some of the best multi-purpose facilities in the world as well, um, which is a strength and weakness in some respects. It's a strength because traditionally we've tried to be everything to everybody. It's a weakness because sometimes in trying to achieve that, we actually marginalise some high needs groups that actually want a particular facility or a particular space that they're more comfortable with. So, so to consult with the operators really to me is a, um, a, a central part of the process to really understand their perspective of the customer experience, their ability to see the, the, the world through the eyes of the customer is really, really fundamental in that. And then, and then particularly understand the, the idiosyncrasies of the local environment and, and they're all different and we need to understand those differences. Yep. Um, I think then the other one, Simon, is really the planning framework, the planning framework of um, the, the entity that we're working with at any particular time. Um, you know, what's their strategic direction? What sort of funding availability do they have? What are some of their council objectives, if you like? You know, um, what's their corporate plan? What, what, you know, what are their priorities in terms of health and wellbeing? Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so to understand that landscape is is just fundamental as well. Um, yep. And how have how have the sort of um, stakeholders involved in the projects you've used IPMs on? How have they received that? Whether it's the clients themselves, council or others, or colleagues working in and around it. Um, you know, what's the sort of reception been in, in positive or even even if there's sort of a some scepticism there, even sometimes or queries. Um, you know, the, the feedback I've got in all of my experience has been exceptionally positive um, and particularly moving through to an exec level um, where, where exec perhaps more so are very familiar with that, the application of data, the use of numbers, uh, the justification piece, using evidence to, to support a, a direction or a strategy. Um, different, different people think in different ways and, and what it does is it introduces 
a group of people that um, like that sort of stuff, love data, love evidence, you know, um, see that it's important in the, in the decision-making process. I think the IPM stuff is really good visually. Um, and, and as I said earlier, it's, you know, it's a, it's a really brilliant enhancement to the consulting process that gives a lot more rigor and robustness, if you like. Um, when we're trying to inform processes that can be um, the most expensive investment that, that an organization is going to make, you know, I've worked with quite a number of facilities over $50 million. That's a, that's a big lot of money. And, and so uh, um, the justification piece needs to be really strong and, and appropriate. Can you give us, you've talked a, a bit about um, some uh, examples there as you were talking previously, but is there a specific project, and you don't have to name it necessarily, but is there a specific project where you can kind of give us a real practical example of how the IPM was used and, and whether it made a difference? So whether that was, for example, yeah, produce the IPM and, and that changed the, maybe the scale or the certain the components that were maybe planned to go into the facility or uh, yeah gave a different perspective I guess it wasn't there before. Yeah no it's it's a, it's a good question so I'm happy to talk about some specific projects because generally speaking um, a lot of the information um, and the findings from the IPM become part of the public domain as well and I think that's important from a transparency perspective is that it actually helps community understand direction and also assist in the buying process in terms of how it's going to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, so I, th I think transparency is a really important component in terms of the decision-making that's made on, on sort of significant large infrastructure projects. A um, couple, couple of examples for you, um, and I mentioned the projects, project names. One, one is a um, smaller one from an investment perspective, which was a facility in, um, in Greater Dandenong called Noble Park. Um, the background there was the, the overall financial performance um, was an anchor around the, around the legs of the council. It was costing them a bomb to maintain the facility. So the, the IPM piece actually then um, sat as a bit of background for a justification for an investment to say, okay, if we invest uh, what was $6.9 million, give or take, um, what would the what would the financial return be on that? And and uh, so effectively, um, what occurred in that situation was the IPM stuff also formed a basis for for um, a funding procurement access, um, um, funding procurement application rather, and council got three point three million dollars out of a six point nine million dollar project, give or take, which was you know not far off fifty percent. And what that will result in is, is a payback period of less than five years on an investment. Um, um, now that was not budgeted for by that council, but because of the attractiveness of the, of the, of the outcome, then council decided to progress that forward. Um, another example is um, work I've been doing in the city of Adelaide, um, which, which uh, on, on, a, on the city of Adelaide facility, which is, um, dated now, pretty energy hungry, not sort of servicing the, the broader community need. Um, understanding the positioning of that and the scale of it was really important. Um, there's probably not a lot of locations left in the country where you'd get over a million visits per annum because of the buildup of new facilities and existing facilities over a long period of time. But what, what the IPM indicates is that this is, this is one of those facilities that would get over a million visits per annum subject to the design, et cetera. 
So, so it gives some rigor in terms of the strategic positioning of, of, of the venue in context of what's happening in the surrounding areas. Um, there's some parallels in the Adelaide market to what's happening in Perth with the North-South Corridor in, in Adelaide. Um, you basically got SALT, the, the South Australian Aquatic and Leisure Facility to the south. And then, then you'd have a major facility to the north of the CBD. Similarly in Perth, you've got Coburn Arc in the south and then you've got Aruna Jundal up in the north, both of which are quite substantial regional facilities where the landscape in the east coast is quite, you know, in, in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane is, is, is quite different in terms of the way facilities are provided. So what the IPM did is, is um, created a strong case for how this facility should be positioned and what its regional function is, if you like, more importantly. Um, yeah, that, that's great. No, it won't, won't, won't stretch you too far. <laughs> Unless you've got another good one, that's great, though. Yeah, no, no, no. I've, got a, I've, I've got another one if you've got time. Go for it. Absolutely. Um, North Melbourne, so the city of Melbourne. Um, obviously, what we're experiencing in Australia at the moment is, you know, well, post-COVID, I would imagine it would continue is, is population growth. And certainly in Victoria, there's a lot of um, infrastructure development, metro rail coming through the CBD area landing to the north of the city that will also you know quite substantially change that landscape mm -hmm. so the city of melbourne's undergoing a couple of structure plans at the moment for for, for an area called um Ald arden macaulay which is effectively where the north melbourne footy club space for those that are those that are interested in that in that sort of broader precinct so the intention of of the body of work that we're doing there is, is is to try and advocate for the provision of space and also facilities in the future. We're actually, they're actually at the infancy stage where the IPM isn't about a facility development, if you like, it's actually about a, creating a placeholder. So creating a, an advocacy piece so that the, 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 the officers that are, that, are, that are championed with the, with the process of um, delivering content can, can, deliver a story, if you like, up the line about how important it is and what the requirements are from a placeholding perspective in a structure plan. So that's even, Simon, right at the infancy stage of a, of a planning process, which is a little bit different to some of the other applications. Yep. Um, my final example um, I'll give you is the project I mentioned earlier about alignment with health and wellbeing outcomes. And we, we use the IPM at the strategy stage where we identified what the mix of facilities was going to be within the within the municipality, then through the feasibility, but probably most importantly at the at the business case stage where we also did the, the social the social value analysis, and and where it's really relevant in the business case stage is um, um, to provide an input into what is an important um, treasury and finance metric called the benefit cost ratio or the BCR. And that's, a, and that's a metric that um, government used to determine the suitability of investment into particular um, capital projects. And probably for the first time, we've been able to quantify to a degraded degree the social value and the community benefit element into uh, the BCR, the benefits cost ratio, and then into the business case. And, and in doing that, we've actually quantified in a, in a, to a greater degree of accuracy what that BCR figure is. And, and in so doing, we, we're probably in a stronger position of unlocking funding 
and un unlocking funding from non-traditional sources, which is probably the important the important opportunity. So trying to fish from a bigger pond, if you like, in terms of how we can deliver these the, these sort of outcomes. So, so probably from those examples, Simon, in terms of how the IPM's been applied, you can see how it's it, it's got a diverse range of applications through the different project life, the, 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 the different stages of, of a project life, if you like, you know, right from right from the visioning stage to the business case stage and and and, and then beyond it, even in terms of the redevelopment phase of, of a project. So so for me again as a tool, it's just been exceptional. It's really invaluable. All right. No, great. And they are really good examples, as you say, Warren, going through those different phases. So appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Um, it's been great. And uh, you've made it easy work for me, mate, because you're good at uh, good at expanding and uh, giving us the whole picture. So that's awesome, mate. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Oh, no, great. No, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Hopefully there's been some insights for, for others. I, I mean, um, uh, um, you know, I've I would just fully encourage organisations to to um, consider the use of the IPM and the social value piece. Um, and I think if we collectively do that as an industry, then then our our storytelling is going to be far stronger, and ultimately the benefit that's provided back to the community is going to be far greater, which is ultimately where we share a you know a common interest. So um, yeah, great as always, Simon. Great to chat. No worries. Thanks very much, mate. We'll catch you again soon. Good on you. See ya. Thank you.